Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to High Desert Word Center. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. Well, we are excited to have you with us, excited to have you joining online if you're watching on there. And uh, praise God, we believe the healing power of Jesus is working in everybody that needs Amen. it this morning. And uh, and we're just grateful to have you with us. Let's go ahead. We're going to stand up this morning and speak some words of faith over the United States of America because we believe that America is coming to Jesus. Amen. And we will continue to say this loud and proud, and we believe that we're seeing revival in the United States. Can I get an amen today? All right, let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise today. You may be seated this morning, and so uh, typically, you guys know, we do our meet and greet time right now where we go around and hug and, and all these great things, but we're just putting that on pause for a little bit, okay? And as I've said before, hey, if you really need a hug, you can meet me after service, and I'll, get, I'll probably give you a bro hug where I just do the, just a pat. I'm not much of this, but I will do a bro hug and give you the blessing pat on the back. Come on, somebody, all right? And so anyway, uh, I'm going to have Pastor Katie uh, fill you in on all the announcements and goings on today. Um, and I'll also say thank you for your prayers this week. I had a, a surgery on Wednesday uh, to repair a hernia, and I am doing great, and I'm on my feet. So thank you, Jesus, that I'm back. And uh, I appreciate all your prayers and love and support. Amen. All right. Come on, honey. Well, if you were around for the last hernia surgery, and this is the final one, okay? But if you were around for the last one, he snuggled our dog and read Christmas stories to it. This year, he only snuggled bunnies. It was the Oxycontin or whatever it was that they gave me. I didn't know. They didn't tell me it was a narcotic. There was, there was no dope this year, okay? There was no dope this year. Anyway, so he did really, really well. And I've had lots of people ask if he's behaving himself for the most part. He only climbed the stairs without letting me know only once. So the rest of it's been good. And he's walking well. And, you know, he didn't bring his bag today, his 80-pound bag. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, big deal. Um, women's went fabulous Friday night and I know a lot of you couldn't come. I'm sorry. I love you, but women's was absolutely wonderful. Um, so if you did not make it to women's, but you needed to hear that message on family and purpose and being a young wife and mom, get the info from Miss P this morning. Okay. Stop and get your info. Um, in addition to that, Young Wives and Moms, our YWAMS group, is going to meet on Friday, Saturday, Saturday, the 22nd at Jenny's at 11 a.m. It's a no kid time, okay, because it's mommy's morning out, okay? If you need help with child care, this place is crawling with people who can watch your kids. 
So if you need help with that, just get a hold of somebody, get a hold of one of us and say, I'd love to go, but I don't have the childcare and we will help you. Okay. But get there. 11 a.m. Jenny's Saturday, the 22nd membership class is coming January 23rd. That's next Sunday from four to seven. So if you have not signed up, but need to go ahead and do that now, if you need to know what the church believes or what being a member here is all about, make sure that you make time to come out to that. There'll be snacks and quality time with pastor Dave and I, I'm tagging along for this one because there's a ridiculous amount of you coming, which is wonderful. We're happy about that. Um, but I, I will be there too. Um, Valentine's day is coming. Is anyone actually excited about that? Okay. There's three of you. The rest of you are either single or bored in your marriage, which means this that I'm about to tell you is for you. So Marrieds is Friday night, February 4th, so that you can still go out for Valentine's Day. This does not replace Valentine's Day, just so that you know that. You can count it as part of your gift. It's not all of it, okay? So February 4th at 6.30, Marrieds, Josh and Julie lead Marrieds, and it is always a fun, 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 fun time, and it gets kind of hilarious, right, Browns? Cletus and Renee, it gets kind of hilarious. Thank you, Alvas, wherever you are, for providing the comedy at Marrieds. Anyway, you should not miss Marrieds February 4th. Um, there is a Seventh-day Slumber concert coming up February 19th at 6 o'clock. Um, the city does a lot of things collaboratively outside of the Chamber of Commerce. The churches in town love each other and care about each other and know each other's mission. And out of lots of cities that we have known and been a part of, ministries don't um, work as a team very often. Sometimes they compete with each other. Here in Barstow, we love Jesus and we just know that he called us here and we're the body of Christ in Barstow. And so people work together and it's awesome. So this concert is actually being put on by multiple different ministries who are involved with each other. So I got a call from Paul Wilkie, who's a part of Crossroads, and said, hey, we're going to do this concert. Do you want to be a part of it? We need some hotel rooms. You have the hotel connections. We said, absolutely, we got you covered. So we're going to figure out how to get you to get involved in being there. Um, but if you would like to go to the concert, it's free. You just have to go online to book tickets. So I was hoping that that link is there. The link will be somewhere on our Facebook page. Just look for it, okay? It'll be fine. Um, but we'll, we'll get that to you soon. But you have to book the tickets because it's going to be at the Performing Arts Center at the college. So you have to actually have a ticket to go. It'll be electronic. Um, but we get the joy of providing the, the hotel rooms for them. And in case he hasn't called you yet, Usher team, uh, Paul Wilkie will be calling you about ushering. So if you're interested in being a part of that, see Robert. Uh, what else we got? Oh, Children's Church. In case you didn't notice, there's no coffee bar today, and there wasn't on Wednesday either, and there's no nursery or children's today. It is not because we had a COVID exposure, though we did, okay? And no one got sick sick, okay? Sniffles. And everyone's fine. It's the only exposure that we've had in two years. So that's pretty awesome. Thank you, Jesus. And Psalm 91 works, right? It's working for us. Praise the Lord for that. But 
The reason that we're not having nursery or children's today is because in that same service, I took my last two remaining children's church teachers and I put them in a class with a kid who was positive. And so I, I'm out of teams, okay? And I'm not begging you. I'm just telling you the truth. So I'm about to be really honest. You're not being shamed. So get that little offense issue gone to begin with. But let me tell you where we're at. We have this youth ministry team of people who love youth so much that they will do whatever it takes to be there on a Wednesday. Now life still happens, but we have four people and every single Wednesday all the time, they're there. And if I tell them, no, 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 you just go to Maine. You've had a tough week. You just go to Maine. No, I need to be in youth because their thinking and their mindset is God called me and God purposed me and I get stronger and I get built up and edified by serving others. And so that's what they go and they do. And so I can't even kick them out of it most of the time, but they don't end that service with, oh my gosh, man, that was so hard. It was the worst. And out of all the ministries at this church, youth ministry is the hardest. I'm just letting you know that right now. Youth ministry is the hardest. In children's church, you don't ever have to catch someone vaping in the bathroom. Okay, that never happens. You don't ever have to have the talk with some gentlemen. In children's church, that never happens. So how is it that we have this youth team that loves serving so much that that's what they come to do. And then with children's, I've got a few teachers who they will do children's every single Sunday to make it happen because they love it. They will do nursery every single Wednesday. I have a nursery director who does nursery with a migraine, does nursery when she doesn't feel well, does nursery when her family's in the hospital because she loves it. She loves giving the love of God to babies. It's not a babysitting service. It's not a thing that she has to do at church because church needs somebody there. It's giving the love of God to others. And it's what her calling is from the Lord. It's a ministry. And if we as a church body could view children's at nursery that way and not as changing diapers and dealing with criers, if we could view it differently, then we would never have trouble staffing it. And we don't have it today because we're having trouble staffing it. So I just want you to go and pray about that. I'm not asking for you to never be in service again and do something that you hate to do. But I'm asking you to think about this church and what our calling is. Our verse for the year is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How can I do that for families? How can our church family do that for families if I can't minister to their kids? If all I'm doing is watching their kids in a room and their kids are miserable in that room, but they get ministered to here, they're going to go home. And though their marriage got built up or though they got built up, their kids are going to fight or be, and they aren't going to be able to deal with it because their kids aren't getting built up. So it has to be, our church has to be a place for the whole family, for the whole family. And grandpa matters and the newborn baby matters and everybody in between 
And so I need for you to pray about where God would have you be involved. And when you pray about that and you're all amped up and yes, I believe that's where I'm supposed to be. I need when that feeling isn't there, I need for you to still do that because God put you there. So if God tells you that you're supposed to be a greeter or the Lord tells you that you're supposed to be a part of the janitorial department when you're in the bathroom and you notice the trash hasn't been changed, good. I'm so glad you're called. Thank you, Lord, for you. But just when you're annoyed that a job isn't done, you just do it for the Lord in you, okay? Because it is a privilege and it's an honor for the Lord to use us, right? We've all come in here a mess, right? Everybody's come in here completely unworthy of God's love, of God's kindness and his patience and his goodness. But all of us got it. All of us totally have it. Time after time, blessing after blessing, grace and ability after grace. When we're asked to do something for Jesus, man, it's a privilege, just a privilege. So if you know in your heart that you're supposed to do that, or you're supposed to be doing something that you haven't acted upon yet, me and Desiree will be here at the altar for you, and you just come have a conversation. Let's just be real with each other and come have a conversation. The last time I had this conversation with you all, one person came to the info booth. That person had been to church two times ever, and it broke my heart and made me so sad. So, I'm not going to judge you, but the Lord will. (laughs) So, you listen to the Lord in your heart, okay? I want you to pray about it. I want you during worship just to give yourself to the Lord. Just tell him whatever you want me to do. Whatever you want me to do. And listen, and what he puts on your heart, you do that. I'm not expecting you to come run the children's department yourself or for you to do everything around here and commit until you're burnt out. I don't want you burnt out. I want you in service. And we promise to pastor you and care for you. I will make sure that you are spiritually fed and built up. But if God tells you to do something, you need to obey. Okay? Praise the Lord. That's the end of announcements. Are you ready for happy time? Woohoo! Amen. Good job. And, and, you know, I've heard Pastor Willie George say that a church becomes your home when you start to help out with the chores, so to speak. And, and, you know, and so we're not calling, you know, working with the kids and stuff a chore, but, you know, when you start to get involved, you know, you really take ownership of your church and, and, you know, whether this is your church home or you have a, you know, a different church home, everybody should be involved in, in helping the church run, you know, no matter if you're watching online or wherever, everybody has a part to play in God's house because, hey, at home, right, you got your kids and everything, everybody has something they do to chip in to make the place run, right, make it work, and so that's what we're talking about here, and our big heart is families and for kids, and we've declared 2022 the year of the family around here, amen? And so we're going to help as many families and marriages and kids and grandparents and everything else that we can, because that's what Jesus has called us to. Can we give the Lord some praise this morning, amen? God is good. All right, well, this morning it is time for happy time, yeah? 
and we call it happy time because God loves a cheerful giver. And so I'm like, hey, if that's what God loves, I want to be that. Uh, this morning is our regular tithes and offerings and our missions offering because today is our mission Sunday. And so if you're given to both, uh, go ahead and grab two envelopes or whatever. If you're given online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. And uh, first of all, I want to talk about our missions real quick. Um, so you guys know we've got our regular monthly missionaries that we support. Uh, we've got Julius over there in India and Nepal. Uh, and so they're doing a great work. We've got Dana and Liz Nile. Uh, who uh, are all over the world. I mean, they, they're in uh, uh, Vietnam and in uh, Peru and everywhere. They just go from country to country. Um, but what I want to talk about, give you a quick update uh, right now on is this, is that over the past month, uh, because of the church family here giving above and beyond in our missions giving, we had two kind of last-minute emergency situations where we were able to help uh, some other ministries. In December, um, Ray Bench, who visits here uh, just about every year, but Ray Bench out of Michigan, he got a last-minute phone call uh, that they needed some help in Liberia. And and I'm like, okay, that where's Liberia? I don't even. So I looked it up, and it's uh, it's on the western uh, coast of Africa. But at the same time, he had a very last minute chance where some pastors had an opportunity for him there. And so without even having to take up an extra offering or think about it, HDWC was able to give him a great big offering to help him get over there and minister and get back to the U.S. before they closed off some travel and stuff. So thank you, Jesus. On his uh, on his very first night, uh, he said over 10 people came to the Lord, 35 people got healed. And one of the people that received Jesus that night was a Muslim. And so I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad that we sent Ray Bench to Liberia. And then uh, also uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we got a, a message from the Philippines. And uh, we, we're a part of AFCM, the Association of Faith Churches and Ministers. And, um, and so they're a big, they do a lot of missions work all over the world. But a typhoon came into the Philippines and just leveled a bunch of communities. Some of the churches that we're connected to uh, were in on that. And so instantly... I mean, right away, that very minute, High Desert Word Center was able to send $500 instantly to the Philippines to help them start getting some things built back up. And I know with all the other churches involved, things are moving. But isn't that great that, that God's using the people of High Desert Word Center to be generous, where we can help other people outside of our own four walls? I think that's awesome that God is using you and using me to be able to help other people outside of our direct atmosphere right here. Amen. Give yourselves a hand this morning. Come on. That's good news. Amen. And so today is our mission Sunday. If you're given to that, make sure you mark it on your envelope and put it in there. Let's open our Bibles this morning to Malachi chapter three, Malachi three. Yeah. We're talking about our tithes and our offerings right here. I'm going to be in the new King James in Malachi chapter three. And we're going to look here at verses 10 through 12. Malachi 3, verses 10 through 12. And man, I am so thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. It is good to be around the people of God, hearing the word of God, singing the praises to God. But Malachi chapter 3, starting at verses 10 through 12 in the New King James here. 
It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And so what does that mean? God's house here, this is referring to the temple of Malachi's day, but in our day, that'd be the church, right? And the food, we're talking about provision in God's house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Do you think God wants you to be blessed? I mean, don't talk about that blessing stuff. Well, right here, God says, hey, if you'll do things my way, if you'll bring the tithe, then I'm going to bless you so much. You won't even have enough room to receive it all yourself. And when you've got that much blessing, what do you do? You go and give it to other people. Amen. And so, yes, God wants his children to be blessed. And I'm not ashamed to say that because when the Christian gets blessed, when the child of God gets blessed, if they're a holy person, they don't just hide it and hoard it all up. They go and help other people. Amen. And so God wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour out that blessing. Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruits of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. That means God's going to rebuke the devil from destroying your stuff. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about your stuff that you own. I'm talking about destroying your body with sickness. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Jesus will rebuke the devourer and all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Man, that makes me excited just reading that right now. Come on. When you are a tither and you know the blessing involved in it, it makes you excited. And so I'm just going to point out two really, really quick things and we'll move on here. But notice there it says he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Who's the devourer? Man, that's Satan. That's the devil. You know, some people are like, I know, hey, that, that's my ex-wife. That's No, 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 no. The devourer is the devil. Amen? And so God will rebuke the devil, the devourer, from destroying your life. I'm talking about your possessions, your house, your health. And I can say out of the surge of COVID and all this crazy going around, I can joyfully report that out of every tithing family that I know out of this church, man, some have got positive and all that. None of them have had to deal with severe bad things. They've just blasted right through it in the name of Jesus. And I'm grateful to report that, amen, that God is protecting us in the name of Jesus. And also, I like verse 12, it says, all nations will call you blessed. Amen. The people of the world should look at the Christian and say, wow, they're blessed. There's something different about them. Amen. There should be something different between your life and everybody else's life because the windows of heaven are opened upon your life. Now, they're not going to call you blessed if your life's just as bad as theirs is. They're, gonna, oh, they're just as screwed up as I am. I don't need to talk. <laughs> I don't need none of that. But if they can look at your life and say, you know what? They aren't living in fear. They're not living in depression. That They bounce right back of every hit that comes against them. I want to be like them. But if I'm cowering in fear, if I'm in hiding, if, I, if I'm just absolutely as bad off as them, 
the nations of this world are not going to call me blessed. They're going to he's just like us. So I'm telling you this morning, the will of God for the born-again Christian that is tithing is to open the windows of heaven. He will rebuke the devourer, and there will be such a marked blessing on your life that all nations will call you blessed. Can I get an amen today? Amen. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Praise God. I like being in church. Do you like that, Robert? I man, I like being around the people of God. You're my favorite people. <laughs> You're my favorite people. Amen. Well, let's say these words of faith over our giving together. Amen. And we know that God is working in every area, including our finances. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. This morning, we're going to do something a little different, and we're doing worship acoustic. So I would ask that you all clap and sing with us as loud as you can to make up for the band. Let's sing together. If there's one thing I'm asking, one thing I'm needing, a moment that's passing is not what I'm seeking. I can see air I'm breathing. I want your presence feet on the earth. A heart full of heaven's heal for you. Completely consumes me. I can't get enough. Can't get enough of you. Your fire is burning right through me. I can't get enough. Can't get enough of you. Chasing who you are, now I can see air breathing. 
Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your to 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Say, say, the Lord is good. good. And his mercies mercies. endure forever. forever. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I just come out of a meeting, an executive meeting, with the executive committee of our ministry right here. You know, Jesus talked about going to our prayer closet. Our Father, which saith his secret shall reward us openly. Your prayer closet is like a turtle living in a shell. He, ta- he takes his house with him everywhere he goes. All he has to do is stick his head there and he's where he belongs. And so your prayer closet is on the job, at the store, in the church. No matter where you are, you close your eyes and begin to pray and you go to your prayer closet. Well, I was worshiping the Lord right there at the altar along with the rest of you. 
and he told me as I was having a meeting with the executive committee of this ministry. The officers are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And he said, he said this to me. He said, you've tested positive again. He said, I want this whole church to test positive for faith. The executive committee just told me we need to test positive for faith. Now, Hebrews 11.6, if you're familiar with it, Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That's the first step to testing positive. If you believe that God really is, then you're beginning to pass the test. And then it says, in Hebrews 11, 6, and that he's a rewarder. He's a rewarder, not of the whole world, not of all Christians. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He loves the whole world. He gave his life for the whole world, but the whole world don't believe in him. And all the Christian world doesn't serve him. But he said he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And, you know, let me just say something. This is just for me personally, but you can see if you want to. I am not going to run around spending all my money trying to find tests. God's the one that want to pass his test. If you pass his test, you'll pass the COVID test. And we're not taking COVID lightly at all. I've had it. I've passed through the test pretty quick. And then I think I probably got that Overcron stuff too when it happened a few weeks ago. But I didn't get any test for it. I thought, man, I got a scratchy throat. I got a runny nose. I'm not deathly ill, so I'm just going to do what I've done for 42 years. Hands laid on me. Believe that Jesus was healing me, and then a very few days, I mean, I wasn't weak, tired, or anything like that. Just had a scratch throat. I stayed away from people. And when I had to go around somebody, I put a mask on. I did all the stuff I knew to do, but I knew where my healing came from. Amen. So I say, whatever test cost now, $20. I don't know what they cost if you can find them. But I know the whole thing is that the Bible talks about the trying of our faith produces patience. And 1 Peter chapter 1 says that when our faith is tested, it's more and more precious than gold. And so I know that my faith's been tested over this stuff. How about yours? And I want to test positive. How do you know you tested positive? When you get the reward from God. What's the reward from God? The word working in your life, answered prayer. Amen. And so, you know, I can't speak for you. I speak for me. I tested positive. How do I know I tested positive? Because faith consists, consists of basically three elements. Number one, you hear the word of God. That's the beginning of faith. You begin to hear the word of God. And when you hear the word of God, you know the will of God. And then if you know the will of God, you'll believe right. And if you're believing right, then you'll pray right. Because if you're not believing right, you're not praying right. And so you hear the word, and then that produced in you. And then Jesus said that you speak to mountains. He said, that's what faith in God is, you speak to mountains. So you hear the word, you speak the word, COVID knocks, flu knocks, 
Anything in this whole world that comes against your life and your family, you answer it with the Word of God. That's tested positive. And then number three, in elements of faith, is you act on the Word. You do what the Bible tells you to do, what you're believing for. And so that's when you begin to test positive for faith, and when you do, the answer shows up. And then the other things try to attack you, then they go negative. That's pretty good, isn't it? They're the ones that have to run, not you. Amen. I'll tell you what, I kind of get some frowns. You know why? Because this is the good news, and everything else is fake news and bad news. Well, I choose, as New Testament believer, to believe the good news over the bad news. And then I want to say something, too, so people don't think we're all just a bunch of squirrely, flaky, dumb people. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. We don't deny there's a lot of bad things going on, but as New Testament believers, as we study the Word of God and get hooked up the Word of God, then we're going to see that Psalm 91 says, A thousand may fall at my left hand, and ten thousand my right, but not come nigh me. And then Psalm 91 says, That's the reward of the wicked, or the ones that don't serve God. I'm not saying everybody that's not a church person is wicked. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that the closer you get with him by obeying him and following him the best you can, then the more that stuff's going to fall off of you, like water running off a duck's back. It's just going to come t- towards you like that. Think, wow, really, that was COVID? I didn't know that, man. I had a sneeze for a couple of days, but I didn't know what that was. Amen. That's just totally Bible we're talking about. And, you know, our, 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 our church vision, our mission, is to equip God's families for a victorious Christian living. And if there's ever a time that God's people need to know how to have victory in the times you live in, it's now. The whole world is upside down. Dad, God wants us to turn it right side up, to thinking right, seeing right. And so we can't make choices for everybody else. But I know as for me and my house, what are we going to do? Amen. And that's what we're talking about. And when you serve the Lord, there's benefits. Did everybody get a fill in the blank sheet this morning? Mrs. Pastor printed those up again. First time we've done those for quite a while, but that's these right here. If you need one of those, hold up your hand, and that should be glad to put them in your hand. Okay, yeah, get one of those there. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, they'll kind of help you follow along. And so this morning, in keeping with the theme that the Lord gave Pastor David, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so we're continuing with that series, and today I'm calling this Family Benefits of serving Jesus. And let me say something like this. This is me personally. I know that, how many know there's a lot of different religions in the world? They're not all Christian religions. And how many know that every religion there is has a God? And so, for me personally, I like to use the name of Jesus at every opportunity because that way it separates me and tells who the God is I believe in, who I'm serving. I believe it in the God... The book of Ephesians chapter 3 says, The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom all the family in heaven and earth is named. And so I'm not against anybody's religion. I'm not against their gods. People could do whatever they want to do. But I know as for me in my house, the Lord I'm serving is called Jesus. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, verse 10, that one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is 
Lord. And so the Lord I'm serving is Jesus Christ. Amen. So get a hold of that. So I like to say the name of Jesus at every opportunity. But let's go to our theme verse. And it actually is Joshua 24, 15. But I want to look at verse 14 first before I get into verse 15. And I was going back over the book of Joshua this morning, looking at some things there. At this point in time, Joshua was 110 years old. Still strong, still an able-bodied leader, still full of God, full of wisdom, full of a lot of fight for the victories of God's people. And he was talking to the younger generation, the people that had uh, followed him and followed what God was doing for all those years when they came out of came out of Egypt, come into come into the Promised Land, Canaan, and he was telling the people. And you know, I think about I think about us as older people today. Some of us are older. But I think about the young people, and uh, I don't want to cross the line and get like rid of politics or anything like that. But I'll tell you what, we have been stolen in America from our heritage and our history so long that they don't teach in schools what they used to. And I'm not talking about any of the critical race theory. That I'm talking about when I went to school back in the 1950s and 1960s, we actually said the Pledge of Allegiance every day. We sang patriotic songs. And back in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I went to school at, public school, they didn't have Christian schools. We actually had Bibles on our desk in public school. And once a week, once a week, every class marched down to the neighborhood Christian church and had weekly religious education every week, and nobody griped. You know what we didn't have in school back then? We didn't have bomb-sniffing dogs, drug-sniffing dogs. The biggest crime we had in school back then was a kid sneak in, sneak in a piece of bubble gum. I'm telling you the absolute truth. If they caught us chewing that bubble gum, we tried to chew it and keep our mouth shut. When the teacher looked, when she caught us, we had to stick it on the end of her nose and wear it the rest of the day. If anybody dared, 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 tried to take it off, they put a big circle on the blackboard. And we had to go up and stand there and stick our nose in the circle. But you know what we had? We had respect. We respected our teachers, and then, and then every family I knew, including mine, had a standing order. If we ever hear that you got to paddle in school, when you get home, you get twice that. It wasn't that mean teacher. It wasn't that mean principal. And the police thing, the respect for police back then. We were taught, yes, sir, no, sir, whatever's going on. And then if anybody ever got caught with anything... It wasn't, that bad policeman's got it out for me. It was, you're, you honor those people. I wasn't even raised in a Christian home. We just had morality back then, and we were taught different. And so what I've said is this, just like Joshua, an older guy speaking to that younger generation that hadn't seen some things he's seen, I'm an older guy speaking to a generation that didn't see the America I grew up in. And so... We want to get families, especially Christian families, to get the world out of them. It's not the bad policeman. It's not the bad teacher. We are accountable for our actions. And we as parents, our grandparents, are accountable for how our children are going to grow up. And determining how we role model and how we lead is going to determine what's going to be in the future. And you want to know something? That's exactly why America's in the mess it is. Because those punks are leaving the country now. Oh boy. 
This is not in the notes. But we want to raise a different generation in our families. And, you know, we, as one person, cannot change the world. We can't even change our city as one person. But if we will change us to be more what God wants us to be, then our children will see the right example, and they'll change, and then they'll be a changed family. And then if you've got lots of families, as Katie said, lots of good churches in town, if you've got lots of churches in a community that have people that are going to live right, be the right role models, you can't influence the city. And then if you've got other cities that get that same purpose, that they want to live godly and live right and say no to the stupid stuff and yes to right, you can begin to change a county. Hey Amen. How, how do you think America got so messed up because the bad guys got to be the role models and they changed their cities? Well, if it can work on the devil's side, why can't it work on Jesus' side? Hey Amen. And you know, I heard, I, heard, I heard a pastor's wife say, Man, years and years and years ago, I can't answer for everybody, but I'll say this. If the Bible says that I'm going to do it, if, no, if nobody else does right, I'm going to. Somebody has got to make the choice. I'm stepping out of what is. I'm going to step into what's right. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. And we're, talk, we're, talking, about, we're talking about your family. You know, if... if your family's here with you. Look at each other and say, he's talking about us. Talk about your family. Talk about your family winning. Uh, Joshua 24, 14. Now he's 110 years old. He's getting ready to die real soon. And he's talking to them about life. And look at verse 14. He says, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. In other words, don't be a double agent. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a phony. Said, really serve him. Don't just serve him when the church people's working. Serve him when you're on the job. Serve him when you go home and nobody's looking. Serve him all the time, sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. Put away those gods from the other side. And so this verse instructs us, as New Testament born-again Christians, to change our priorities. And, you know, if you've been around Bible teaching any length of time at all, you know that Egypt is a type of the world, and the church is supposed to be a type of heaven, the will of God done in our church, in our lives, as it is in heaven. And they, they came out of Egypt, they went into Canaan land. And Canaan land is a top type of the promises of the New Testament. How many know the New Testament, we're taught that we're supposed to be healthy? Supposed to be able to get healed if we get sick. Our needs met abundant. And, and the Christian family, according to Ephesians chapter 5, is supposed to be a picture of what heaven's going to be. In Ephesians chapter 5, he talks about husbands, wives, and children. And he says, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. That's what the family's supposed to be. Why do you think that especially Christian families are hit so hard to divide, conquer, tear up, steal, kill, destroy, because the devil hates anything that God loves. Amen. Amen. It says that the husbands are to love their wives like Christ loves the church. It says that the wife is to submit to the husband 
as unto the Lord have we submit to Jesus. And the children are to honor their parents and obey their parents as we as Christians honor and obey Jesus. Amen. And so that, that's why God wants the family to be blessed. And so uh, at, 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 at come, coming out of Egypt into Canaan land is like us coming out of the world where we used to live into Christianity. You know, I'll just be honest with you. Before I was a Christian, I was raised in a, in a heathen family. I, got, I, got, I was talking to Mrs. Pastor yesterday about my, my great uncle was a mafia leader. Had some of the different things back in those days back there. And I got other uncles that were bootleggers back before all the booze was legal. You know, I'm talking about a few years ago. And things going on. And I got a lot of families that were prison guys, jail guys, murder guys, thug guys. And so when I was raised up, my dad and my uncles all thought it was great to sit around. They got drunk and tell, tell, tell the stories of who got beat up. How bad they beat up the other guy. How they showed up, what kind of weapons they had, who got hurt the most, and things like that. That's who their heroes were. And so that's the gods of the world I used to live in. All those, all those thieving things. Man, I, oh, I can't tell you those stories. It's so horrible. Find these big fancy jackets, go someplace so you can fill the pockets up with stuff, rob them from your own families. And all the stupid stuff I saw. Well, I came out of Egypt into the kingdom of God. And so I made a choice. Was I going to serve Jesus in his ways or serve the gods of my fathers and my former family? I had to make a choice. And I dare to say the times we live in, some of you may have been in family serve those other gods too. And if you did, if you want your kids to have different, if you want your grandkids to have different, you're going to have to make a choice. And let me just say something. I learned this years ago as a believer that what you watch on television bring into your home, you're bringing those spirits into the home that, 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 that do those things. If you don't want druggery, murders, sexual immorality, and all those kind of things to jump on your kids, watch what comes across that screen. If you would not invite a molester into your home to have dinner with you, don't let that molester be in that movie or that TV show while you're sitting there having dinner. That's what he said right here. He said, choose you. Which God you're going to serve? The ones that used to be back there, which is in bondage. You know, Egypt, they were in bondage for, the Israelites were in bondage for 400 years. They couldn't do what they wanted to do, couldn't go where they wanted to go. And you know, the people I see that's addicted to drugs, alcohol, those kind of things, they can't go where they want to go or do what they want to do. Because all they got to do is try to survive and fake it till they get the next drink or the next fix. They'll steal from their own grandma. They'll take her wedding ring and sell it just to get something. That's called slavery. That's called bondage. I don't ever want to go back there. I never was in that kind of a world like that, but I was rounded up and sawed up. I know what's there, and I've made my choice. I'm not going to be a slave to those things that destroy the people around me. How can you help somebody if you're one of them? Come out from among them. Be you separate, the New Testament says. So anyway, uh, if you seriously, as says sincerely and truly, have the revelation that Jesus is real, I'm not setting anybody up. I always like to ask questions. 
And this is just an honest question. It's not setting you up about anything. You can leave, you can leave when it's over with. We're not going to hold you back if you don't answer right. How many here have the revelation in your heart that Jesus Christ is real? One, two, three, four. Wow, I thought there'd be more than 18 people. Wow. Pastor Dave, let's sing the Baptist hymns and have an altar call right now. Two-thirds of the church aren't even saved. How many here really have the revelation that Jesus Christ is alive? He's the Son of God. He's been raised from the dead. You've called upon Him to be your Savior. Okay, then we're talking to you. If you don't believe that, then you can listen, and maybe you'll believe it before we're done. But anyway, if you truly have that revelation that Jesus is real, then, and then that means that this is for you fill in the blanks. Heaven is real. If Jesus is real, heaven has to be real, doesn't it? And that if heaven's real, then hell's real. The Bible talks about both, both of them, doesn't it? And then the Bible talks about eternal life. It talks about eternal damnation. So that means that eternity is forever. Heaven's real. Hell's real. Eternity's forever. Then that means we should rearrange our priorities and put serving God at the top of our list. Now, I mean, if this is really real, I'll tell you what, at 2 o'clock this morning, I was seeing some of my unsaved family's pictures back east. I was just seeing them in my spiritual eyes. I just, at 2 o'clock this morning, and I was thinking about unsaved family members back east, these part of the country where I came from, and I was praying for them this morning, just weeping. Thank Lord, I know, because my, you know, I'm older now, they're all older. And I said, Jesus, I know they're, they're at the point where they're going to be crossing that line pretty soon from this world to the next one. And I said, Lord, I'm always available, but Father, I don't want them to go to hell. I don't want them to go to hell, Jesus. I know they don't serve you yet. I don't want them to. And Lord, I'm praying right now for you to send laborers, because that's what he said in Matthew chapter 9. He said, pray the Lord heart, send laborers to share the gospel. Why is that? It doesn't make any difference how much financial success you have on this side or how poor you are. Neither one of them count. What counts when you take the last breath is have you received and confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior before you died. That's what counts. And so for me, I believe that heaven really is real and that hell is real and that eternity is forever. There's no second chance. And so that's why I've chosen 42 years ago to rearrange my priorities because I found out what was real. How about you, anybody else? Amen, amen. So notice now verse 15. And this, this is the theme, theme verse that uh, Pastor Dave actually pastors the church now, and I'm the, whatever I am, the over everything, but he and Katie have the anointing of the, and the gift to pastor this church. And so verse 15 says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served, I am not serving alcohol, dope, mean, lying, sneaking, stealing, cheating. I don't get mad, I get even, all those kind of things. I don't serve that God anymore. I made a choice that that's what my family served on that side. But I remember when I got born again on January 29th, 1980, got a birthday coming up in a couple of weeks, I'll be... 42 years old. 
42-year-old new creature in Christ lived inside of a 70-year-old body. But my life began 42 years ago as a new Christian. And so I remember uh, the first president that I, I did remember was Harry Truman. How many here remember Harry Truman? I remember Dwight D. Eisenhower, maybe Eisenhower. <laughs> okay, uh, President Truman was a Democrat. And on his desk, he had a sign that said, the buck stops here. And so what that meant was this. Politicians, when they change administrations, they always try to blame what's going on on the last guys. But President Truman said, I'm going to take responsibility. He said, I'm the guy who sits at this desk now. And if it goes good, I'll get the credit. But if it goes wrong, I'll take the blame and I'll find out how to change it. And so I know that that was my model when I got born again. I said, the buck stops here. The families, my part of the Samples family I influence, they're not going to be that way. And stuff that goes wrong, I'll take the hit. But if it goes good, I'll give the glory to Jesus. And so you need to make that choice in you. And don't ever say this stupid stuff. My, my best friend when I got saved was Italian. And he'd do something dumb, lose his temper. Well, I just got an Italian temper. That's how we are. Well, then I met, met the Hispanic people. Well, that's, 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 that's the Spanish temper. And just all the different people try to blame something on what race they are or where they come from. Well, I'm a new creature in Christ. Galatians 5 says I have the fruit of his spirit in me. Amen. I'm a new creature. And 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, and everything in me is from God. And so my, my thing in my life, I've got to choose let what's on the inside of me control the outside of me. My outside man still tries to rule me, but i got to let the inside man control the outside man. I do not have, I don't know if you call me a Caucasian temper then. I don't have that temper. I've got the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace of what I've got. And if any of that other stuff tries to come up in my life, I say, shut up and sit down stupid. Amen. We're, we're, we're talking about changing what is by changing us. And so he says right here, it says, which your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, guys, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so for your notes, choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. You know that everybody in prison or jail didn't just run into some bad police but have bad luck. They made choices. I remember back not that many years ago, if you stole a candy bar, it was serious. I remember back when I was growing up, one time my, my older brother, he's a couple years older than me, when he was in high school, him and the guys went down to the department store in Indianapolis and they stuck some stuff in their pockets. They got arrested. They had to go to court because they stuck a few little things, probably cost 20 cents. The price went high. And they got prosecuted. They went to court. I'll tell you what, by the time dad, their dads and moms got done with their butts, my brother never did it again. Didn't blame the judge. Didn't blame the store detective that caught him. They made the choice. They made the choice. And they suffered the consequences. And so we have to realize in our lives, 
Choices we make will have consequences, good or bad. And we're talking about, he said, he said, you choose who you'll serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the quality of life your family enjoys won't be by chance, but by choice. There's no good luck and bad luck. There's choices. Make the right choices, you put yourself in a position to be blessed. Make the wrong choices, they're out there in Satan's territory, and, and he's not a good person to submit to. So on January 29th, when I made Jesus Lord of my life, I made the choice that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want to say this too, because I think too many times Christians just pitch up, what, what's that Pastor David Katie learned out of Rame about this Christian lingo or language, what do you call that? Christianese. They speak Christianese. They say it because other people say it. And so this, this isn't just a nice little religious catchphrase. In God's eyes, he's looking for a 180-degree turnaround. If you were at Alki, I advise you to stay away from family reunions that have booze. If you had trouble with booze, I'd surprise, well, you don't cash paychecks anymore. You just cash my at the Sunshine Inn. That wasn't Jesus' son. It was the <laughs> place where the truck drivers drink at. Don't cash your paycheck at the bar if you get a paycheck, if you had a drinking problem. Make the choice. You're going to do things different. And so, and so God's looking for a 180-degree turnaround. But first, uh, I, I, want, I, want to talk, I want to talk at some of the benefits for your family to serve the Lord. But first of all, I want to give a simple explanation of what I've learned of what I've learned in 42 years of Christian living by experience as a pastor observing a multitude of families over the last bunches of years. And so what, what I've seen, my personal thoughts on this, is serving the Lord as a family consists of number one, and this is some choices, what I've observed, dad and mom being in agreement. Dad and mom being in agreement about the value of consistency in church attendance and scheduling life events around church services and special events. Now, I want to say this, and you know, it's not hard for me to talk this way now about how serious I am about church. Brother Hagen pastored for many years, and he, he said that he learned in pastoring 100% of the time he could predict how church kids were going to turn out by how seriously the parents took church and the things of God. The, the level of value they placed on being in the house of God is the level of value their kids placed on it. And you know something else I've learned too out of all these years? This is the absolute truth. In, in unsaved families and in saved families, whatever it is you do, good or bad, your kids will magnify it. Because on the bad side, they'll outdrink you. They'll outdope you. They'll outthug you. If it's on the good side, look at this front row right here. Where, where's Josh, his family at? Oh, okay. They had to leave because of quarantine stuff home or something, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, what I'm saying is this. In my family, my kids, my grandkids, Ministry, serving Jesus, etc., etc. It's got magnified, or they're bringing us up a level. 
it's magnified on the good side. So that's what I'm saying. I've learned out of all these years of being a pastor, you can watch families. And, you know, since I've been in California, I've been here 17 years now. I was yesterday, I was just kind of praying and just kind of in my prayer closet, sitting there thinking about families I've seen here in the last 17 years. I was thinking about the different families where little girls grew up to be 14, 15 years old, what it would be like mom and dad, and they got pregnant by the time 20. Little girls used to be in this church now, they got three or four kids, no husband, on welfare, dumpy looking, little just messed up kids because their parents had been around this, but they weren't serious about this. Everything else always become more important. And church was only a place to come if you got in really bad trouble. Got to get around the church people because they know how to pray. We got to get back in church. Got to get back in church. And so I've seen the families that live that way. Then when the kids get up old enough to make their own decisions, they don't think it's very important at all because dad and mom never put value on it. And then I've had people come into my prayer lines crying, tears, seeing tears fall to the floor because their kids now were in trouble with the law or in gangs, really messed up in life, said, I don't know what's wrong. Well, at that point in time, it's kind of hard to look at me in the eye and say, I'm looking at what's wrong. Well, I, I, I always brought them to church, and I think, I wish you could have an attendance record like schools, schools kept, and you'll see if you always brought them to church. You didn't always brought them to church. You brought them to church if there wasn't a little league game on Sunday. Or if there wasn't a soccer game on Wednesday. Or if there wasn't a tournament. And all those kind of things. You know, I'm just, all I'm saying is that there's gods of this world. There's nothing wrong with sports, recreation, and those kind of things. But there has to come a point in time when you rearrange some priorities. Because if you don't do it now, you might be visiting them in jail later. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Now, so you need to schedule life events around church services and special events. Choices have consequences. Your family's future won't end in success or failure by chance, but by choice. So dad and mom got to make some choices. You know, I don't, I don't know about California as much as I do back in Indiana raising kids. My kids were raised and moved to California. But I can tell you this, my church changed the Little League schedule in Martinsville, Indiana. Had a pretty decent sized church. Had a lot of people in my church that were in the Little League. And so they said, we're going to have our practices on Wednesday night. And so when half the teams didn't show up because they went to my church, they changed and said, okay, we'll do it on Thursday night then. Christians sticking together can change some things. Can't you practice just as easy on Thursday as you can Wednesday? And can't you have a game just as easy Saturday morning as you can Sunday morning? And so, you know, I want to say it again because, you know, sometimes I almost feel the stones coming. You know, they want to stone Jesus. They want to, they want to stone Paul because they were saying things contrary to what the world system was. We as Christians have to know heaven is real, hell's real, eternity is forever. All these little ball games these kids play aren't forever. You don't lay a baseball or a soccer ball on the head of a sick kid and say, in the name of soccer, be healed. Well, my, I believe my kid is delivered from dope in volleyball's name. 
It don't work that way. Those things are fun. Those things are good. But you got to have some priorities. Choices have consequences. I know that I made the choice as a young parent. I saw how I was raised. I saw my brothers. I saw their families. I saw the bad things that happened, especially as we got older and our kids were older. I saw all the different bad things happen to my families. I thought there's no way I'm going back there. My family get mad at me because I don't participate anymore. Friends and truck drivers can think I'm nuts because I don't do those things that all their kids do. But I know one thing. When I made the choice we was going to serve the Lord, my kids saw that I wasn't phony. And they stuck with it. Amen. It's just some observations of what I've seen about serving the Lord, what it means to me. And so number two, as much as you can, choose to have your family hang out with sold-out Christians. As much as you can. As much as you can. Who you hang out with the most, who you'll imitate the most, both you and your children. You know something I recognized years ago, going through different truck driving jobs, different Christian acquaintances I had over the years, the more I hung out with a certain person, a Christian or whatever, I'd begin to imitate phrases they used. I'd begin to imitate, and I'd want to do what they did. I'd want to have a car like they've got, or I'd want to do the things they wanted to do the more I hung out with them. And so you're, Mrs. Pastor, by the way, I give, give a plug for the women's group. I heard about the results from Friday night, and I, I got to actually look at her notes and thing yesterday. She had that pretty seriously. And, you know, when you live with somebody for years, you don't see the forest for the trees. You don't see what's going on. But I saw some of the choices she made over the years of raising our kids, and I realized how critical it was for you choosing your kid friends. Amen. And you know something else that we realized, we did a lot of homeschooling and Christian school for our kids, some public school, but we realized a long time ago that when your kids leave early in the morning, they're going all day long under somebody else's care, they come back late at night, those people got the best part of their life, not you. Those people had the input, not you. And so why do you think that so many Christian kids today aren't following the ways of the Lord it's because somebody else raised them. And so I, I know that Mrs. Pastor chose carefully who our kids hung out with after school. Basically because we were pastors. They had a lot of Christian kids, friends that you know were in our church and things like that. A lot of their friends were church kids. But at the same time, she didn't allow them to play with all of our church kids. Because we knew that some of our church kids were being raised contrary to what their parents were living. And so we was very careful. If we didn't believe in sexual uh, immorality, I didn't want my kids to go to houses. That's, that's what they do and that's what they watch. If we don't believe in, in uh, stealing and lying and just, well, you know, you little white lie. Well, the Bible doesn't talk about little white lies. Lying's lying. Cheating's cheating. Stealing's stealing. So we knew if there was people who wasn't living right, I didn't want my kids influenced by that so that my kids began to doubt what I was telling them was right from the Bible. And so, you know, the, the proof's in the fruit. Jesus said, you judge a tree by its fruit. I don't have thieving kids, lying kids, cheating kids. You know, they serve Jesus. But, you know, those things had a lot to do with it, choosing who influenced them and who influenced us. And so we tried to be very cautious about who we hang out with as preacher friends. Do you know that all preachers don't live it? I don't know if you know that or not. I don't want to bust any bubbles. 
But I used to be around one preacher. He got to go to heaven at 50 years old. I traveled with that guy somewhat. I would see him lie to business people to get a better deal. And I always thought, man, you're lying. But I never said anything. I would see him steal things in stores. I thought, man, you stuck that in your pocket. You didn't pay for that. At 50 years old, he got to have a heart attack one day. He moved right to heaven. And so what I'm saying is, Mrs. Pastor, when we were with that man for a season, said, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. Don't let him rub off on you. So we made the break as soon as we could. But I'm telling you this, we ourselves choose what kind of preachers we hang out with. I do not want to imitate somebody that's doing wrong. And we're talking about we're talking about my observations of what I see serving the God means to me. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, and so we're very cautious about who we choose to be our close buddies. And you know, when I when I'm saying these different things, I want to always, always, always make sure that we know the heart of Jesus. How can you go into all the world if you're not in the world? He said, we are in the world, we're not of the world. How can you witness, how can you testify, how can you share with lost people the love of Jesus never around them? There's a difference between going in on a mission or going in as one of them. Amen. We are around lost people all the time. We go to ball games. You know, I'm not big on sports like that. I like baseball games. That's my main thing I like to do. I love to do that kind of stuff there. But when I go, I don't go for the beer to get high. I don't go for the shouting and getting mad and cussing about calls. I go to watch the game because I like it. And so there's lots of events that Christians can go to where other people are doing things. You can go for the recreation, the joy of life without doing those things. You can't be a double agent. You can be an undercover agent, but not a double agent. I know there's so many places in life I've been, and I recognize I'm here as an undercover agent. They think I'm one of them, but I'm here to share Jesus. And so I already, when I came in, I had my helmet of salvation on, breastplate of righteousness, feet shot, the preparation of the gospel of peace. I would hit my shield of faith up, go to there fully protect, and think I'm here for one purpose. I can't stand anything these guys are doing because I used to live there, but I know that I got pulled out of there and I'm coming in to rescue them too. You see the difference. And so what I'm saying, these things going on, you don't hang around with sinners to sin. If you're hanging around with people that don't know Jesus yet, you're hanging around them so what you've got will rub off on them and suck them into your life, not what they've got rub off on you and suck you back into their life. Is that good preaching? Amen. And so, so we got to be witnesses, but we've we got to stay stable on our own. And so uh, reverence for God and fear of what he thinks about life's choices. This is number three. Reverence God and fear of what he thinks about your life's choices. Listen to this now. That's what I've got for you to see. Now here's what i got written with that. You reverence God and fear what he thinks about life's choices more than your children or unsaved people, or carnal, lukewarm Christians think. you got to have the fear of the Lord and reverence Him more than what some lukewarm Christian tells you. I wouldn't do that. Say, well, you can do what you want to, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. 
I remember, does anybody here remember President Reagan? You don't remember Truman or Eisenhower? Do you remember Reagan? Okay, I remember Reagan. I think it was the National Republican Convention thing when he was accepting that. He got up there, and he wasn't trying to win anything. He got up there from his heart, and he made this statement. He said, I'm going to do something. He said, I'm afraid to do. But he said, I'm more afraid not to do it. Would you bow your heads? I want to say a prayer. How many know for a politician in America, that's not very popular. Get up there in front of people you want to win and say, I want to pray. But I like what he said. I'm more afraid not to do it. You know why? Because he feared God. God put that in his heart to say a prayer at that political convention. And I like that. There ought to be things, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the parent the kid thing. Well, I can't go down that road, man. It just gets too upsetting seeing modern parents so many times. It just hurts. Oh, it's so sad to be at a supermarket, see some kid crying and whining and throwing a fit, and some mom just keep on throwing things in the car she can't afford is going to be wasted just to shut the kid up. stop right there you know there's a little thing called the bottom side and the Bible does teach but anyway we as parents should have more of a fear of the Lord than we do of our kids than we do of sinners what they think about us I remember when I got saved all my drunken buddies my truck Truck doc job, I remember I'd, I I actually, back in those days, everybody wore suits to every service. So on Wednesday, I'd bring my suit in and hang it up in the, we had a locker room by the restroom. I'd hang my suit on the outside of my locker right there, not to advertise I'm a Christian, but because that's the only place I could hang it. Because when I come in off the truck, I want to jump in my suit so I can get to church. And I remember I'd come in there and hear the goofy corny stuff. What are you doing? You ready to go to a prayer meeting? I said, Yeah. He's holier than thou. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I'm getting ready to go to his house. I want to look right. You know, it's just the way we dressed back then. And I remember all the different jokes, all the different jokes they made about me on my truck dock. I just, man, it happened every day. But you know what? When I got born again, I got born again. When I got born again, I got born again. I remembered alcohol. I remember all the drug days. And, you know, I just praise God that I never killed anybody when I was driving. I remember back, I mean, I wasn't like maybe some, maybe some of you that have drank. I hope you don't still drink. But maybe some of you do. Maybe you could drink two or three beers and be okay. I knew that I went to the place. I knew it every time, but I fell for it every time. Well, let's come down here and cash, cash the check and drink a beer. I didn't know what drink a beer was to cash the check. I cashed the check. And when I was so wiped out, I didn't remember getting in the car. I woke up the next morning at home. How did I get here? And I'm so glad that nobody got killed between there and home. I mean, that's where I came from. So when I got born again, I got born again. I changed friends. I changed habits. I changed what I did. And on my job, when they mocked me, I didn't care. Because I, I was more afraid and reverenced him than I was them. I remember... One of my very absolute best friends, he had been a, uh, he was a boxer in the Army during the Korean War. 
and he was a bouncer in the taverns that actually had stories of him taking guns out of people's hands and making them eat them. Really, really a bad dude. And I went through a bad time before I got saved. I actually lived with him and his wife in their apartment. And after I got born again, and I'd been saved for about a month, and everybody put the word out. I remember, I remember this one guy from Tennessee. He said, Marty got religion. Better stay away from him. He got religion. I said, I don't have religion. I got Jesus. But anyway, this, this, this good friend of mine come up to me, and he was, he was, he was, really, he was, really, a, he was really a bad guy. He wasn't, I mean, a bad guy, but he'd hurt you. Come up to me, walked up to me and cornered me in the restroom, poked his finger in my chest just like that. And, he said, I want to tell you, and blankety, 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 you stay away from me, stay the blank away from me and my family, don't get around us. He said, we don't like you anymore. I'm saying that in a nice way. And that's the kind of persecution I got because when I went to, <clears throat> went to work, I wasn't a double agent. When I went to work, I didn't drink with them anymore. When they pulled out, they didn't have all the pornography then like they do now because they have Playboy magazines. When they had the magazines out like that, and I walked back, hey, Bernie, look at this. I went like that. I thought, man, I don't want to see that anymore. I got delivered from that kind of stuff. I don't want it anymore. And so I wasn't, I wasn't their best buddy anymore. I've said I wasn't a double agent. But you know what? I feared God more than I feared their opinions. I knew that the way it is right now, I'm on my way to heaven if I die. And Jesus told us we could judge fruit. So all their fruit was basically anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-what was right. So I knew these guys aren't going to go to heaven if they die, and I am. And so I want to win them. And at one point in time, I remember, because of a small company, I'd led somewhere over 50% of those guys in a prayer of salvation, I led them to Jesus. And that includes the secretaries in the office too because those people begin to see this man here used to live in total darkness. He's walking in light now and we want what he's got. Amen. And it works. It really works. So anyway, uh, uh, just, just remember that we need to have more fear of God than we do of people. And then number four, stable, steady, consistent in how you live. Don't be a double agent. Your mate and children will be seriously influenced if you live a godly life. Of course, on the negative side, they'll be the other way, but this is real. If your mate and your children see you're living it for real and you're not a phony, you'll seriously influence them at home, at play, as well as in front of other Christians. We definitely go to live right in front of other Christians, I mean, unless you're stupid. But live the same way on the job. You know, I, uh, I learned something as a young Christian. I've, I talk about this a lot. Before you can learn the language of faith, you've got to learn the language of silence. And so the best thing you can do on the job, well, they got all the dumb talk covered, whether it's sex talk, uh, criticizing the boss talk, talk, criticize the country, just being totally negative, just spilled out all kinds of garbage, keep your mouth shut. Man, you just keep your mouth shut and smile. And when you do that, you're not hooking up with them and what they believe, but you're staying hooked up with God. You're not violating your conscience nor your faith. You know, no matter who the president is on the job or even today, I am not going to get out there and badmouth the president. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to badmouth people out there, and so many of them know nothing about God. I'm going to pray for them. 
And so if I get around other Christians or even preachers that want to go into the throw in the mud, I'm just going to sit there and uh, pass the ketchup, please. Uh, does anybody have a napkin? That's going to be the extent of my conversation. I'm not going to join in because I want to do what's right. Amen. Amen. So I'm not going to be a double agent. My family is going to be influenced if I live a godly life. And so that, that's just some of my observations of what it is to serve God. To serve God doesn't just mean you come to church and do an assignment. That means you live for him. If heaven's real and hell's real, eternity's forever, if you really believe that, why would you not want to live different? Now I want to look, as, as we're closing, head down the home stretch here, I want to look at a couple psalms, and I'll go through them pretty quick. I want to look at a couple psalms, 127 and 128. And I call this family benefits of serving Jesus. This is my two favorite family, uh, two favorite psalms concerning families. Maybe, to me, a couple of the two best passages of the Bible that I like that shows me what God wants for my family and for myself. Psalms 127 and 128. Psalms 127, I'll read these first two verses. Except the Lord build the house... They labor in vain that build it. You know what that means? He's talking about your life. Talk about your family. Talk about your church. Anything you're involved in that you're wanting to grow, how many know that everything starts from a blueprint? This is God's blueprint. You got to pattern your family. You got to family your to pattern your home after what God says of the Word of God. It says, if not, you're laboring in vain, that build it. You know, threats, telling your kids to do one thing because it's right, when you're not doing it, you're following the wrong pattern. They're going to follow how you're living, not what you're saying. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain, that build it. Except the Lord keep or guards the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. That tells you the word will of God. God doesn't want you laid up worried about your kids, worried about your family. He says he gives you sleep. And so for this right here, I want to say this, <clears throat> the benefits of serving Jesus. Put God first, and you will never worry about the safety and the future of your family. In the times we live in, if there's ever a time Christians need to have security in their hearts, in their thinking about their kids, about their family, it's now. And it says the key to that is serving the Lord by following his plan and letting him be the guard of your family. Amen? Can you see that right there in the Bible? And then verse 3 through 5, lo, children are rugrats. I've never used that phrase one time in my life. It always bothered me so bad when I would hear somebody say, well, the little rugrats. I think, man, that doesn't sound good at all. It says, lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Is his reward. Arrows, arrows are in the head of a mighty man, and my center column says that means warrior. As arrows are in the head of a warrior, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them, 
they shall not be ashamed. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. What that means is this. Number one, you must see that your children are a blessing and not a curse. You know, if your parents brought you up wrong, if your grandparents influenced you wrong, the buck stops here, you can change it now. Your children are a blessing. They're not a curse. They're a blessing from God. And so, put Jesus first, and your children will be the most powerful spiritual prayer warriors in your life. It says that your children, uh, in your it, as the arrows are the head of a mighty man, so our children are the youth. And that mighty man being a warrior, he said, and when they argue with the enemy at the gate, that means your children are standing there. And when dad has surgery, those kids are behind the scene saying, Satan, you're not going to mess with my dad. In the name of Jesus, those doctors are going to do right. They're going to be good. The Lord's going to be right there guiding their hands. They're going to walk in the wisdom of God as well as the natural wisdom they got, but the bottom line is, Satan, you're not sneaking in there and killing him. That's what prayer warriors do. They stand in the gap. And then when family troubles come, financial problems hit the house or whatever it is, those kids are going to be standing there because they were trained upright, and they're going to say, Jesus, my dad and mom's tithers, and we tithe. And I want to thank you, Jesus, that you said you rebuked the devourer for dad and mom. Dad and mom gets worry on their face. They're doing everything they can not to worry about things, not to fight things. He says these children, when they're raised in a house that serves the Lord, so they'll stand there and argue with the enemy. Who's the enemy? Satan. Says they'll stand there and they'll be just like arrows in the quiver of a mighty warrior. Says that's what your kids are. Said happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. But we got eight. We're very happy. I have 20 grandchildren now. We're really happy. Number 21, beer in the springtime. We'll be more happy. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. It says, happy is the man that has a home like that. Now, I want to quickly jump into Psalms 128 and look at these blessings right here. Talk about the benefits, the benefits of a family that dad and mom and children serve God. Psalms 128, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord, that walks in his ways. Fears him, walks in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. That means your paycheck, your job, where your money comes from, says you'll eat it. Happy shalt thou be, as shall be well with thee. And so what this says to me is no matter what the cost of living or inflation, whatever the money's doing to the country, he says that you will eat the fruit of your labor. That means if toilet paper costs $10 a roll, you'll have plenty. That means if gasoline goes up to $15 a gallon, you'll always have gas. That means whatever it takes, you'll have it. And, you know, if you're not a serious word person, this might go right past your head. But I believe in a supernatural God. I believe in the power of the name of Jesus. I believe the Holy Spirit that inspired these words that lives in me and lives in you is telling the truth. And so he says you'll have it. And so no matter what goes off the cost of living, the blessing of God will always provide all the needs of your family. Now we're talking about benefits, benefits of a family that serves the Lord. He said, blessed is the man that fears him, 
and walks in his ways. He says this will be the fruit of that. And so verse 3 and verse 4, I love this. It says, Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children, like olive plants, round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall a man be blessed that feareth the Lord. What this says, this in modern talk is this, your family will love and respect one another more than friends and outsiders. Listen to that. And you know, if you've got young children right now, you may not know about this yet. They get to be teenagers. All this outside influence will make them want to not eat with you to go somewhere else. And so the Bible is written for all times. It says, your children and your wife, husband, wife, children, said you guys will all sit together and love each other, respect each other. Amen. That's benefits. And you know, I want to say it again. Sometimes I feel like there's stones coming my way because this world is so contrary and you've been dipped in the world so long, you don't know how God wants it. It may not be that you had a home that way, but nobody has a home that way. I know many people have a home that way. I have a home that way. I'm glad I got a bigger home that way now because we have birthday parties. It takes a bigger room. You ever been at my house? I don't know if you have a dining room table or not. We have to have two. When my family comes together, kids and grandkids come together, they're not all round about that table. They're rectangular about that table. And you know what? They love each other have fun with each other, tease each other, and all the things we do. But that is so much better. That is so much better when I was raised and all I heard was poor old this one, poor old that one. They have such bad luck. They're in jail again. We're trying to get the money together. Well, I'm going to see it. I can sell this. I can sell that. we got to get some money down there. The bell boss, but got to get them out. That wasn't a good phone. That was not a good home life. I didn't like that. I like it so much better with the little blessings, not the rug hats, are all gathered together, and we're having fun, and it gets so loud, you go like this, go, oh, Jesus, help me to think straight. But you know what? I would rather do that than, oh, Lord, please have mercy on me that jail. Don't let anybody hurt him. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, I pray for favor with that judge. Lord, I pray for favor. Which life do you want? Choose you this day. Who you'll serve. After me and my house will serve the Lord. And then verse 5, verse 6. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. And Zion in the Old Testament most times talk about the church of the future. Which is where we are now. The Lord will bless you out of the church. You'll see the good days of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And here is where I'm living now. And I love it. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children. You know what I'm seeing right now? Right here, I'm seeing four of my children's children. I'm enjoying my children's children. And the, you, are, you that are getting a little bit older, they're going to have grandchildren someday. You want to live long enough with a sound mind, healthy body, money in your pocket, money in the bank, to be able to buy them things and do things with them. It says, I see thy children's children at peace upon Israel. So the last benefit I want to say is this. You will enjoy the blessings of God, live to a ripe old age, enjoying your grandchildren, and being a part of their life. I cannot wait till this summer because I've sold the farm. I'll get to go to Little League games again. I'll get to go to those soccer games again. 
on non-church nights. I'll get to enjoy their life, and that's the benefits of serving Jesus. And so, how about you? As for you and your house, you're going to serve the Lord? Amen. Be serious about this. They're watching you, and I'll tell you what, what they see is what they're going to get. Let's let them see the right thing. Amen. Amen. Pastor Dave, I will turn it over to you. Can you can you come up here okay? Okay. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 That was real. Let's stand up together. We're going to have our prayer team come on up today. And uh, and uh, Josh is going to lead us in a little worship as we close out. But that's the absolute truth. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, and we've got to make that choice and that decision. And as, as Dad said, our choices, they have consequences. And that can be really good. That could you know be negative. But as we choose the Lord, that's going to be good consequences. Amen. All right. Well, if you need prayer for anything today, uh, first of all, the biggest thing is if you do not have a relationship with Jesus right now, that's the biggest thing that we could pray with you on today. Maybe you did at one point and you kind of walked away from that, or, or maybe you've just never really had a relationship with Jesus. We want to take care of that today. And so if, you, uh, if you're ready to make that decision, we invite you to come up and pray with anybody up here. But if you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer for healing, prayer for your marriage, prayer for your job, anything at all, we want to pray with you today and get the power of God going in your life. Amen. So let's take a few minutes. Don't hesitate. If we're going to take a few minutes here, Josh is going to lead us in some worship. If you need prayer, come on up.
right, well, we're going to go ahead and close things out today. Who had a great time in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Awesome to see everybody. I want to remind you that we have service tonight at 6 o'clock. Mrs. Pastor is going to be uh, ministering on understanding God's plan for the local church and how to cooperate with it. And so uh, it's going to be an awesome uh, night tonight. I'm going to go ahead and live stream it tonight. We don't always live stream Sunday nights, but we'll put it on there tonight for you. And so be prepared for that. And my wife has something to say. I don't know what it is, but she's got something. It's going to be good. I know that much. It's going to be awesome. You want to hear this? always afraid when I get a microphone in my hand. He's afraid. Anyway, um, there has been a ring found, and so if you have lost one, come and see me. You obviously have to describe it and know that it's your lost ring, because um, we don't just hand things out. Um, but anyway, it, it's a legitimate ring. So anyway, if you have lost one, come and see me after service. If the Lord spoke to you today to do something and you're ready to do what he asked you to do, come and see me so I can rejoice with you and help you get involved. Praise the Lord. Okay. Who's, who's doing the Barstow Faith Confession? Oh my gosh, Noah, because you're pointing at people. Let's go. Come on. Come on, Noah. You're being slow. Okay, sorry, Isaac's doing it. <laughs> we declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospered. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Wednesday.